Hey, yo, welcome back to the High Kicks podcast. How's everybody doing? I'm very, very happy to announce that we have a very, very special guest on the show today. Um, Tyler Terrens joins us. Tyler is a commentator for the Chicago Fire and a 2016 graduate of Hobart College. Tyler, we're so happy to have you on the show. I am happy to be here, Brian. Happy to be here talking some football with you and uh, especially somebody who's uh, familiar with the uh, Finger Lakes region uh, such as yourself because we are a rare breed. We are a rare breed. Um, I do have a co-host, Tyler, but he's um, he's in Cape Cod. His family is visiting him. The house he's in is kind of small, so he doesn't have the ability to be here today. Um Hopefully at some point, I would love to have you meet him if we could do something like this again. But for everybody listening at home, this is the second week in a row that we do not have Carl. So um, I'm going to do the finger guns for him because he does that every week. And Tyler, do you want to just give our listeners a little bit of insight into what you do for the MLS and for the Chicago Fire? Yeah, so uh, I am a full-time employee of the Fire. I am their their lead commentator. Um, Arla White comes into town. Um, during the summers, or at least in, in years past and, and this year. So when he does that, I, I move to a sideline position. But, you know, I call the majority of the games for the fire. And, um, you know, I also do some a little bit of stuff on the side. I made a couple of, I did a couple of calls for ESPN this year, um, which was a lot of fun for Major League Soccer. And I host a podcast with Arlo White, which is called the Intercontinental Football Show, where we talk all things Premier League and Chicago Fire and Major League Soccer. Um and yeah, I'm just uh, super pumped to be here. I, I am a graduate of Hobart College, class of 2016. Um, got my start doing uh, doing some low level summer college baseball leagues in in the tri state area, and then did Holy Cross, Princeton, Stevens Institute of Technology, and Northeastern Soccer, and whoever else would have me. And then it was University of Vermont Women's Basketball on the radio, and then I did USL, NWSL, Concacaf, Open Cup, Gold Cup, um, any sort of soccer contract tournament anything outside of mls you could possibly think of i did that for about three years before i got the call from the fire um and tony miola uh, legendary u.s men's national team keeper and hall of famer was one that sort of uh, hooked me up with that job and he's been my broadcast partner for the past two and a half seasons um and now i am patiently awaiting the news um as to who is going to be brought in for the all-star commentary team for apple tv and major league soccer which i know we're going to talk about a little later in the show but Yep. That's the uh, long and short of uh, of my broadcasting journey. That's got to be awesome, especially being where you are in your career, being such a recent college graduate. Um, coming from Ithaca, I know so many people who wanted to be sportscasters who are on that path. One of my best friends is currently a reporter at WENY in Elmira. So just seeing somebody who's a little bit ahead of where we all are on that path is awesome. Um, it's got to be really cool working with somebody like Arlo White, though. I mean, yeah. It's a lot of fun. So I think we're good to slide into our first uh, major topic. Um, I've been thinking about the topics for this show, um, for this one especially, because we scheduled this a couple weeks ago. And this topic just fell into my lap. Um, Wayne Rooney is coming back to the MLS. He's been named the manager of DC United. I think that's huge. I, Coming from what he did at Derby, I know they got relegated, but he got them so many points he can't help it that the club went into administration and they lost points. 
he did fantastic things when he was on the pitch for DC United. Do you think he's going to be able to replicate some form of success on the touchline? Um, that's an interesting question. You know, I've talked about it on a couple of different platforms already. Um, my my initial reaction is the same as yours. I think it's great for the league um, mm-hmm. to have somebody of that of that stature. And I, I think people still forget just how good he was as a player. I mean, you know, if it mm-hmm. if if it wasn't for the fact that he was just a normal looking guy, and um, yep. you know, and the whole thing, he could have been considered one of the true. He still is considered one of the greats of all time. But like, you know, if you go back to the two thousand six Euros or whatever it was when he was running circles around Thierry Henry and Zinedine Zidane, like you mm-hmm. know. He, he he was the guy at the time at 18 years old. Um, yep. Some injuries and some other things set him back, but regardless, he, it is great for the league to have him on the sideline, especially amidst all the you know news of you know Gareth Bale, Chiellini, Insigne, Bernadeschi, Gaga Slovina yep. just today was announced by Fabrizio Romano that he's going to be signing with Chelsea. There are so many good yep. things happening for the league right now, and this is just another one in that long line. Now, whether or not he's going to be able to have the success in a coaching role um, on this side of the pond for a major league soccer team that he did while he was at Derby is a totally different entity because as you know, major league soccer is very, very specific and yep. you know, it, it takes a, a lot of communication, a lot of patience with the front office. Um, Lucy Rushton, who's the, who's the GM of that team working with Dave Casper, the president um, you know, it is difficult to build a roster and DC have been experiencing that. And then some in the post Ben Olsen era, and and obviously, you know, with the sacking of Hernan Lozada, you know, this club has a lot of work to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that right off the bat, he's going to gain a level of respect in the locker room and in the dressing room that most coaches will not. Um, and he seems like a leader of men, uh, which which, you know, yes. is is one of the more important things for for uh, any team and especially in Major League Soccer when it's a league built on parity and the margins are so thin. But I was a little surprised by the move, given how successful he was at Derby, given all of the, um, you know, sort of red tape and, and and handcuffs that he had to endure, that he would come here to then eventually make his move back to the Premier League, which is going to happen at some point. But oh, yeah, definitely. I could, I could see this as a little like four month trial or not even four, three month trial because the season's ending, you know, first week of October here in the United mm-hmm. States with the World Cup in November. And then maybe taking a job uh, in the winter transfer window um, in in England, you know, after after a quick little spell here. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I'm speculating, but um, a little surprised that it was this move to then go back. And who knows if you don't do well here, you might not get that opportunity that you thought was it was a sure thing after your time at Derby. So a lot of things need to play out, um, but it, it it certainly is good for the league. There's no getting around that. Yeah, I. I totally agree with you in terms of the commanding of respect from the locker room. Um, it's not often that you get managed by a true legend of the game. Um, he He's the reason why Carl, my co-host, is again not here, is a footy fan. I mean, Wayne Rooney is the reason why Carl got into the sport. And I think he's the reason why a lot of young players turn to soccer or to football. Um, it's so weird. I usually say football, but now that we're talking about MLS, the word soccer is just coming out <laughs> of my mouth. Um, I'm a little bit unfamiliar, but are there any players on DC United that played with Rooney? Like, is he going to be managing former teammates as well? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few guys. I mean, if you think about some of like their older defenders, I mean, Bill Hamid has been there, um, you know, the entire time and, um, you know, like. There, there's a there's a number of guys on that team who have been around for a while. I think Andy Nahar 
possibly was around when when Wayne was playing for them. Um, trying to think. I, I think possibly Steve Steve Birnbaum, um, if I have the years right. But yeah, there's there there are a couple of guys that um, you know have have played with Wayne. But you know, even when he was there as a, as a coach, you know, and I'm I'm sure like the the question you know the question in in that comment is sort of like, is that a strange thing to be playing yeah. for a guy that you played with? But yeah. you and I both know when a, he, a he managed while he was playing. Over, he was managing that he's an extension yeah. of the coach, if not the coach yeah. himself, anyway. So yeah. it's, it's one of those. Yeah, he definitely, my thought was when he moved there as a player, he knew more about the game than the manager. Um, he knew more about the game than any of the players there. I mean, he was phenomenal on the pitch for them. I, I'm just, I'm kind of excited. Like, the MLS hasn't typically excited me as much in the past, as I've already mentioned. But this is an exciting move. Um, I do think it's great for the league. Because he's a very big name. He's a big name manager. Steven Gerrard did his little trial run for the Premier League at Rangers. And I think Rooney doing this at DC United could be kind of a precedent for other players turned managers to do the same. And I think it could be really, really good for the league's growth. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. The you know the the big one with Wayne is that obviously he has the experience from Derby, so it's not like he's yeah. this would. I don't think many teams would give would would give an opportunity as the first one to you know yeah. to lead an MLS team. Um, you know, even Thierry Henry, he you know was an assistant with Belgium, and you know he had that other mm-hmm. you know other experience as well in France. So like it's it's one of those where um, I think that this is this this is a really really good situation for for both parties. On paper, it could be a disaster though because DC yep. have been in a bad way for a number of years now, and and they have not built this roster. I think um, the, the way that DC fans wanted to, and they just got absolutely slammed by the Philadelphia Union seven nil. Um, I so saw that. There's, there's, there's I saw lot, that. There's a lot of work to do. I think no matter what happens, he's gonna instill some kind of good footballing system because he's Wayne Rooney. It's just gonna be. Can the roster play it properly, and will they succeed with him? Yeah. Yep. So you mentioned it before. You mentioned um, the big names that I was going to have us talk about for moving to the U.S. Um, Insigne, Bernadeschi, Chiellini, Bale. On the other end, Gaga going over to Chelsea. That's huge because the MLS has kind of a reputation among European football fans as a quote-unquote retirement league. I don't agree with that. I I truly think the league is growing. Being able to pull a Signe in at 30 years old, Bernadeschi's under 30. Bale, I think Bale is a little bit of a different story. I don't think this is a retirement for him. This is a tune-up. Because I, I think had Wales not qualified for the World Cup, I think he would have hung it up. Um, but do you think this is something that's going to continue more so on the Bernadeschi and the Insigne point of the younger players starting to come over a little bit earlier as more money funnels into the MLS? For sure. I, I mean, I think that the you know, the Insigne Bernadeschi situation, first of all, that's like a package deal, right? Like Insigne has yeah. got an entourage of about 25 people. And he basically said, I'm only coming if you bring Bernadeschi too. And I'm sure, you know, Bill Manning over at Toronto FC was like, well, happy days. Like, we'll definitely get him. But we, you know, they needed to do some 
Major League Soccer maneuvering and give away a you know 2020 MVP in Alejandro Pozuelo on loan to Inter Miami for 150 thousand dollars in GAM, in which they paid mil- you know, and 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 a guy who is worth so much more than that. So yeah, um, you know, there the, there was that that situation itself was very specific. But um, it's also because there's a massive Italian population in Toronto as well that was, you know, mm-hmm. were encapsulated by J- Sebastian Javinko, who was really the first one to come over here in his prime, who had played at that level in a full-blown Italian international and come and just terrorize the league for a few years. So yeah. that's, you know, th- there's a little bit of precedent set and at the same club. So it's an easy decision for Insigne and everybody to sort of say this club puts the money, puts the money in to be successful and we, we can be successful here and not be made fools of. So I think that that's, that's number one. Number two, the biggest name you're leaving out of this list and probably the biggest shout that major league soccer is heading in the right direction and is going to totally dispel the retirement league narrative is Cucho Hernandez. So Cucho Hernandez is 23 years old, played for Watford, you know, scored some great goals. He's, he's played in La Liga. Um, and he is, he's a guy who is not even in his prime yet leaves Watford after they get relegated and decides to come to major league soccer for a $10 million transfer fee. Now, I got yep. to see up close and personal just exactly what he's capable of, and he scored the game-winning goal against the Fire coming off the bench in his MLS debut. So you couldn't have written a better script for him to enter no. the league. But he's the he's the real signing out of all of this that says Major League Soccer can be a place where people can come to play, make the money that they should be making for for how good they are relative to the rest of the world. Because if Cucho Hernandez goes to a Premier League team and is coming off the bench or whatever, he might be only making, you know, a few million dollars. But, yeah. you know, now with Major League Soccer and, and a lot of owners being willing to spend the money, because for, for you know, some of your fans who aren't too, um, you know, roster building in Major League Soccer specific savvy, it's like, 600,000 of the salary is goes to the cap and then anything else after that is up to the owner's discretion. So Insigne is going to be the highest paid player in Major League Soccer history. I think he's going to be around 14 million dollars a year, which is obscene. Oh my obscene god. When you're talking about Major League Soccer. So like that that's you know, kind of obscene when you're talking about European soccer too or European football cuz people like European football contracts are broken down into weekly wages. And when you do the math on those weekly wages, I think 250,000 pounds a week comes out to like 12 million yeah and and that's what i mean sadio mane wasn't even making that last year at liverpool yeah and well that's and that's why he left because he wanted yes. he wanted he wanted mo salah money and they can only give mo yeah. salah money to, to one guy and that was going to be mo yeah. salah but yep. um yeah so with all that in mind um it, it's it you know it is slowly but surely becoming a league where you know and especially given the fact that you know with this new apple tv deal um, not to totally segue into our next topic here, but no international geofencing and, you know, everybody around the world is going to be able to watch Major League Soccer if they pay a little bit of money for the Apple TV subscription. And it doesn't matter where you are or or what game it is. Every game is going to be on Apple TV around the world, which is going to be huge for recruiting and huge for, you know, scouts as well um, to be able to see talent in Major League Soccer who either are domestic or foreign and, and bring them over on the other side of the pond. So um, it, it's a lot of things are coming together for the league right now, and and it's and it's a really, really, really good thing for the league. And I'm I'm super excited to be a part of it at at a, at a pretty young age to see where it's going to take off for the next you know ten, fifteen, twenty years. That was a perfect segue, like actually <laughs> a perfect segue, because when I first heard about the Apple TV MLS deal, I had mixed feelings about it because I didn't. There wasn't a lot of information. I wasn't necessarily sure. It's confirmed that the MLS is still going to stay on linear TV as well, right? Like it's not fully going behind the Apple TV Plus paywall. 
there are rumors that uh, it there there will be some form of you know linear coverage, uh, some okay. sort of game of the week type thing, and then you know obviously I think that MLS Cup will be on linear TV as well because um, that's a pretty tough thing to put uh, behind, behind a paywall. paywall. Yeah, yeah. So I've always not always thought because it's recent that the MLS in the U.S. is definitely ready. I think to go behind a paywall, it. It, I think, has surpassed the NHL as becoming the fourth most popular league. I could see it passing the MLB soon because the numbers for MLB are declining and baseball is just, I don't even want to get into it. Um, but I do think globally, if it comes off of linear, I'm not sure how many people outside of the US are going to pay for Apple TV Plus strictly for the MLS. Although I do think a lot of already, people already subscribing to Apple TV Plus will go check out MLS, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting one because season ticket holders will get the free subscription, which is big, right? So your diehards mm-hmm. are going to remain your diehards, and you're doing and you're doing right by them. Um, as as far as that's concerned, yeah, I mean, like, listen, there was a big complaint that you're going to lose casual fans who are going to stumble upon major league soccer on network television truth of the matter is is that if you looked at the numbers and the ratings for network television major league soccer they're not good they're really really not good so like nobody that's not just major league soccer though like network television ratings in general are just i mean yes but at the same time for soccer it's particularly bad people tend when they see major league soccer on fox or abc or espn Mm -hmm. they tend to turn it off um, because, you know, if you're just scrolling through and you don't know much about the league, it's, it's tough and you can't create that, um, that sort of emotional affect that, that, you know, you need to, to, to grow a league in the way that you might be able to do that, um, is to have it behind a paywall, have a bunch of, you know, content that's created by the teams, um, that, that is accessible on, on that channel as well. And, you know, it, that's also just how this demographic is, is consuming their content nowadays. It's, it's on streaming services. They want a one-stop shop, and, and that's what fans are going to get now. Yeah, I mean, thinking about it, I watch most of my Premier League now on Peacock Premium instead of on USA Network or on NBC. So I, I totally see that. I see, I mean, the diehards getting the free subscription. That's a win-win for everybody involved. And if the diehards have that free subscription, it allows them to bring some friends over, introduce them to the league, and then maybe get them to subscribe because of it. So, I don't know, this this conversation kind of enlightened me a little bit, because I was kind of worried for the MLS, but all the points you've made, I don't really see how this could go wrong. No, I mean, the, the other big thing is that it's a partnership, it's not just a rights deal. So it's not like... You know, Tim Cook and Apple are just saying, you know, all right, we're going to dust our hands. We'll write you a check for $250 million every year for the next 10 years, and we're just done with it. No, like, I think that Apple TV, um, as one of the better companies in this country and in the world for the past, you know, 30 some odd years, understand that MLS um, is, is, a, is a growth entity right now. And that, you know, that's why there's so many professional athletes and big time celebrities who are pumping their money into these teams. You know, when you think about World Cup 2026 coming around, um, and and sort of what World Cups in the past that have been hosted in the United States have done for the game in this country. Last time that we hosted the World Cup, Major League Soccer was born. So what is going to happen when you have all these guys, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, um, Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna, all in their prime playing yep. in front of American crowds um, yep. on American soil? 
it, it it's going it's going to take off like a rocket. So everybody wants in on it right now, and Apple is recognizing that and splitting the subscription costs with Major League Soccer. So every person who subscribes, half of the money is going to Major League Soccer. That's not something to turn your nose up at. And the other thing is, is that it, it and I I already said it, but it bears repeating. Having every single game on one platform, no matter if it's on, if it if it's also on ESPN, it is also going to be on Apple TV. So like there's a big complaint with a lot of MLS fans right now. I don't know if the game is on Univision, if it's on Twitter, if it's on Fox, if it's on ESPN, if it's on ESPN Plus, if it's on ESPN Plus and I live in Milwaukee and I'm a fire fan, well, I get blacked out because I'm more than 75 miles away. There's no geo-blocking. There's nothing. I know that we're going to lose that sort of, you know, local commentator flavor. And that's something that directly impacts me. But in terms of long-term success and growth of this league, this is only going to do good things. Are they not still going to have local commentators? Is it just going to be? It's going to sort of be like the, it's it's sort of going to be like the NFL. You know, it's going to be it's just going to be national level commentators um, for 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 every every game. My guess is, from what I've seen from you in this conversation, my guess is you'll get there. <laughs> um, Personally, you're going to you're going to put the good word in for me. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for that call. I'm waiting for my, it. my, my guess is you probably have better connections to that than I do, but we, we will see. So your conversation about the, um, the world cup, I'm just going to segue us into kind of just the upcoming world cup and what it can do. Do you think if the U S performs well at this upcoming world cup, it could set the stage for the MLS eventually becoming a top five league? It's an interesting question. Um, the, the Maybe answer... more so by 2026. The 2026 World Cup could set us up for that. But... Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be because of the World Cup that... No. It, like, it's not, a, it's not a one plus one equals two thing. Yeah. What, what's going... Like, Cucho Hernandez being successful here and then going to be successful at a Premier League club that's not Watford or that maybe is like a Crystal Palace or a Villa or like somewhere that's a little yep. more mid-table. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of signings and and flips that will that will take MLS to the next level. The World Cup is simply just going to help it from a recognition standpoint, brand building, culture, fan fan culture, which are all super important things for building for building mm-hmm. a league and and making sure that it does get to that level, but Foreign signings coming in and Miguel Amarone types playing well and then being flipped and got and and even domestic players who come through the academy ranks like a Tyler Adams and now are playing um, you know at Leeds those are the types of things and that needs to happen on a more consistent basis for the MLS to really become a top five league and even then I'm still not a hundred percent sure you can you know you can really take over the likes of Italy um, and France if we're going to say that those are the two. You know, I was going to say, I think the French league is the one that but could with the potentially... But the, the way that the rosters are structured with the salary cap and everything like that, um, and no promotion relegation, it's... Mm-hmm. It's hard. It, it It's really, really difficult. Could it be a top 10 league? Yes, for sure. Yes. But like, I'm pretty sure based on the league coefficients, it already might be a top 10 league. Nah, yeah, the league coefficients and those numbers. But like anybody who watched like, oh, yeah, I know. Even I know. watching even watching El Trafico on Friday, there were moments where I'm like, what is what is Gareth Bell thinking right now? Because some of the football was abysmal, like the pat, like some of the passing and the, the cheap giveaways um, and the and the needless turnovers were were horrific. And that's. And, and listen, like these are by some of two of the best teams in the Western Conference too. But there, it, there's just such a big gap between 
guys who are making eighty to a hundred thousand dollars on the supplemental roster, and then Carlos Vela, Gareth Bale, who's not even a DP, and Ch- and Chicharito, and those guys. Like the gap is too big right now, um, yeah. and and the only way to close that is to have it be an open market potentially and promotion relegation, but the latter of which is never going to happen because you have teams who paid $350 million to play in this league and would never give up the, the, the security of knowing that you're going to be playing top division football in major league soccer, unless you were given parachute money that almost equated to that. If you were going to go down and MLS is not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been telling friends that I, I kind of think within the next 10, 15, maybe 20 years, we could reach that top five status. But I think the points of the no relegation, the no promotion system, the, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the MLS only having one kind of cup competition for the country. I mean, I know we compete in the CONCACAF Champions League, but there's no like league cup. There's, it's just the MLS cup. It's just a little bit different from the European game, so I'm not necessarily sure it'll hit that top five status. I do I could see it happening though. I just sports in America as they grow, as the money gets funneled in. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but I would I would just love to see it. No, I you know and that's why a lot of people are are high on American soccer because it's American sports and nobody does sports like America, you know, just see the NFL, but we struggled to get a premier league, an American premier league coach back in to England after the Bob Bradley thing. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the level of respect for this country and for major league soccer specifically in the footballing world is nowhere near where it needs to be. No, I would would totally agree with that. There's still so many GM. There's so many GMs. I'm talking about sporting, you know, sporting directors. There's still so many sporting directors, technical directors, owners, presidents, CEOs of football operations on the other side of the pond who look at Major League Soccer and laugh. Now that will be their that will be their undoing or their demise at some point. Yes. But there's still things about the league from a roster building standpoint, the whole thing that turn everybody off to it. So like there's, there need to be a number of drastic changes, but the league needs to be ready to support that because this league is only 26 years old. That's the other thing we need to keep in mind. It's still Mm -hmm. super, super young. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm 23, almost 24. It's kind of crazy for me to think that a league that has already got to where it is at this point is so young. Like I, I think of the MLS as being kind of an older, more established league, but it's really not. And it's grown a lot in the, what'd you say, 26, 27 years it's been around. Yeah. 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 It has. There's, there's no doubt about that, but we, we need to continue to keep that in mind while we, you know, I'm somebody who wants promotion relegation tomorrow. Um, because I, 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 I love it. I would love yeah. promotion relegation. I, I love the idea of promotion relegation for most sports because I hate tanking. And if there's promotion relegation, there is no tanking. You can't purposefully suck to get. Well, there's also no reason. There's no real, you know, benefit in tanking too. I mean, yeah, there's the super draft and everything like that, but like the draft in major league soccer, isn't the draft in NFL where it's going to set you up for, for years to come. You can draft a quarterback or draft a running back or whatever it might be. But, um, it's, yeah, it, 
it needs to happen at some point and it'll just add another level of competitiveness to this league that will will also force it to not be a retirement league because teams are not going to take chances on guys if if they're not going to buy in and they're going to potentially put them in a position to be relegated because if you start to spend all that money on somebody who's not bought in you'd rather get three young south americans who are going to do who are going to do the legwork and put in and put it in you know night in and night out than uh, you know one european megastar who's worth 8 million dollars a year that is sort of just collecting a paycheck you know you you'd rather just get results at that standpoint yeah. Yeah. So I got one more thing I want to talk about. I didn't put it on the topic list because I thought about it while we were recording when you mentioned the World Cup. I kind of want to talk about the upcoming World Cup. Um, I, I've seen just a lot of things of people wondering how far the U.S. can go. Um, I personally see us getting out of the group and then potentially getting through to the quarterfinals but that just depends on how group a would finish out and given that you're i mean around the game more you um i would guess you have a little bit more insight than i do i just kind of want to know what your thoughts are on what i guess the ceiling is for the u.s men's national team come november december yeah i mean listen i think that the ceiling um it's you know it's it's a tournament right so it's it's can they get out of the group stage is is really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And once they do get out of the group stage, unless you're running into, you know, a, a France or, or a Brazil or, you know, a team that truly does have you beat at every single position, you look up and down the, the, the team sheet, and that includes England. Um, there, there's no reason why you can't win your round of 16 game and then, and, and then see what happens in the quarterfinals. I think a quarterfinal is probably the ceiling. But then again, you know, this team is resilient enough um, and, and talented enough to be able to execute a game plan set out by Greg. And listen, Greg, no matter what, is not going to sit in and, and, and you know, get pummeled for 90 minutes and hold on for dear life for a nil-nil no. draw. But he is going to be have, he's going to have to be tactically flexible, um, mm-hmm. especially when we're playing against some of the better teams like England. Um, and then whoever we play in the round of 16, you know, from, Looking from my mouth at to God's it, ears. So we would play, if we win the group, we'd get second in group A. If we come in second in the group, we'd get first in group A. So my guess is coming out of group A, I think the Netherlands wins group A. And yep. then I think we're looking at, if we come in, if we win the group, we're looking at, I think, Senegal or Ecuador. And if we come in second in the group, we're looking yeah, at the looking Netherlands. Yeah, at the Netherlands. Yeah. And, and, and you never I, know who's going to, and listen, Ecuador is actually a... Ecuador is actually a very good team and Netherlands yes, are. are not and, and Netherlands are not the Netherlands of 2014. So no. they're still very talented, obviously. But mm-hmm. like, you know, there's there, there are things that are going to happen that are going to shock people, as is the case in every single World Cup. So like maybe mm-hmm. the U.S. finish in second and Ecuador finish in first and we get Ecuador. Um, but but they're a super talented team and South Americans are always difficult in, in, in these types of tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, the, the the ceiling, I think, is a quarterfinal, maybe maybe round of 16, depending on what ends up happening. You know, if 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 we have a number nine who can actually put the ball in the back of the net, we still are. You know, the, the, we have big question marks at goalkeeper and number nine. So, like, th- mm-hmm. those are really important positions to not really know what you're going to do heading into it. But the rest of the rest of the team is really, really good. And you have guys who yep. are playing legit European football like this team should get out of the group and you see yep. what happens in the knockout rounds. That's all that you can do. Yep. As far as goalkeepers, so I'm a former goalkeeper. I, I follow that somewhat closely. 
Um, I saw Zach Steffen is on loan from City, which I have been saying needed to happen because you need minutes before a World Cup. You just do. It's more beneficial if you're playing for a lower level side than riding the bench um, for a Premier League team. I also think Matt Turner should go out on loan from Arsenal just because, again, playing time. But that is kind of the question mark for the U.S. team. And it's unfortunate because growing up, I mean, the keeper that I'm used to thinking of when I think of the U.S. team got changed on Wikipedia to the Secretary of Defense. So... In a time when I was younger, we were solid at the back in like between the sticks and then the outside or the outfield was a little bit rough. And now it seems like it's the other way around. I just want them to get it together fully, because when you mentioned 2026, I've I've been telling people I think 2026 could be a shocker. I think if everybody's in their prime, I think semifinal final potential winner. Um, But I'm an optimistic American, so. We will. Yeah, I would, uh, I would. I would. Yeah. I, listen, I wish there were more of you, and I wish I had shared the same sentiment. But um, <laughs> we are still an incredibly young and uh, inexperienced yep. footballing nation when it comes to those types of moments. So, yep. Uh, I'm, I'm focused on. I'm focused on November right now, and and you know, getting out of the group. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. Um, three three points yep. against Wales is is the first thing that's on my mind. So yep. uh, we sh- we shall see. I saw before we. Uh head off for the for the night i just i just need to i'm not sure if you saw this so there was a meme that was going around of that said imagine christian pulisic scores a game winner against england in like the 92nd minute lifts up his jersey and the shirt underneath says it's called soccer i just think that would blow the world up and i won't happen um but i would just love because i don't think he'll pull up the shirt that says it's called soccer well, I, do th- if, I, I bet you he's seen the meme, and yeah. why wouldn't you just have it written underneath your your jersey? Just in case. Just, just in case. The other thing is, it's going to be 95 degrees in Qatar, and I don't know if playing with an undershirt is is really uh, That's you know, the best true. move either. That's awesome. It's going to be so hot. It's weird that there's like, it's weird that there's no World Cup going on right now, and it's going to be even weirder when there's one going on in November. Yep. Yep, I'm. I'm but just excited. I'll tell, for I'll tell it. you what, though, it, that USA England game on Friday, on Black Friday will be one of the highest rated uh, sporting events ever watched in the United States. I'm so excited. Yep. I mean, I, I I'm wearing my Liverpool shirt. I have Good Trent man. Alexander. I'm wearing. I Trent Alexander Arnold is on the back. Um, he's like one of my favorite players. I hope he gets exploited in that match. Um, <laughs> he's literally a day older than me. So like, from just the get go, I've loved him. There you go. Yeah. Um, awesome. I think I think that's all we got. Um, Tyler, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, just how fast you responded, how interested you seemed. Um, just thank you so much for everybody listening. Um, go look up Tyler. Follow him on Instagram. I can't remember it off the top of my head. If you want to say it really quickly. Um, at, at at TN Terrans on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Um, but I'd love to do something with you again in the future. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining. And My pleasure, man. Really, go statesman because <laughs> family school. Gotta say it. Anybody who I know from Ithaca is gonna hate that I just said that, but I gotta. 
Appreciate you, bro. You're 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 a statesman of my book. All right. You're a statesman right. of my book. Awesome. And to everybody listening at home, peace out. We'll see you next week. I think Carl's gonna be back next week. So it's gonna be a little bit more of a high kicksy kind of vibe. Carl's the funny one. Carl's the funny one. But that's all we got. Peace. Yeah.